Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast episode of Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. I'm your host today, Desiree Collins-Bradley, and I am super excited to have a very special guest with us, Ajay James. She's going to talk to us about her NICU journey and what kind of inspired and activated her in advocacy. But before we get started, I'd like to read you our sponsor message. So this episode is brought to you by ATW Health Solutions. ATW Health Solutions is a Chicago-based healthcare advisory and consulting firm that has gained national recognition for transforming healthcare delivery systems from ordinary to best-in-class. At ATW Health Solutions, we use a data-driven, evidence-based approach to make healthcare better by focusing on quality, safety and health equity in organizations and government agencies. Simply put, we create and implement innovative solutions for the right problems and the right people. So Ms. James, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Desiree. I'm um, elated and honored to be here. Awesome, awesome. So I know your story. I know you extremely well, but our listeners do not. Why don't you take a few moments to introduce yourself? Sure. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Ajay James, and I hail to you from the Houston, Texas surrounding area. I am a mediator, motivator, author, advocate, and mother of a former microfreemie. I'm also the CEO and founder of the Heart Foundation which is dedicated to promoting awareness, resources, and advocacy services for preemies and their families through support, education, and outreach. Wonderful, wonderful. So, you know, the Heart Foundation is uh, really inspired by your journey. So, you know, just if you could just give us a few little nuggets about your journey with the NICU, you know, Harper's journey, and then what kind of activated you to really start the Heart Foundation? Sure. Well, uh, I will start here and say that uh, I am the mother of, of one child, uh, that's Harper. And I found myself 
uh, being thrust into the NICU journey experience by having her at 23 weeks gestation. Uh, I, I knew nothing about motherhood. I didn't even know that a place called the NICU existed. And my experience with having her so early, again, at 23 weeks gestation, really thrust me into um, this space and place where I found myself having to, you know, seek out information. A lot of information was coming at me at various points in time. You're trying to manage as a new mom and a mom period, you know, this NICU experience, this motherhood experience, this birthing experience, and, and just trying to sort it all out. So having had her at 23 weeks gestation, having had um, complications with the pregnancy, and then finding ourselves thrust into this NICU space, I, it led me to do nothing other than to start the foundation as a result of that experience. Um, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty resourceful, uh, but I found that there was very little information that was available. Um, you know, hospital staff was doing all they could, but moms were dropping babies, you know, left, right, and center all times a day. So you were only able to get the help that you needed, you know, at various points in time. And depending on staff availability, you know, you may not get any information until, you know, a day or sometimes a week later. So with mm -hmm. our specific journey in the NICU, uh, for example, my daughter was supposed to be born on what I like to refer to as Harper New Year was her due date, uh, <laughs> December 31st. She decided to join us a lot earlier, which is September and September, early September. Uh, as a mom, I thought that meant, okay, well, she's just going to bake outside and she's definitely going to go home on December 31st. I started planning accordingly until a doctor said to me, hey, no one gave you the talk. And I looked at him and said, what do you mean the talk? What's the talk? Mm -hmm. uh, he ushered mm -hmm. us into a, a private room where he, you know, bombarded us with statistics. It was very overwhelming. I felt lost. I, you know, I didn't know what to do. And again, I never want another mom or dad to go through that. So we, I created the Heart Foundation just as a resource to kind of go alongside parents while they're in the NICU experience. And uh, as we like to call it, the destination discharge and beyond. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point because, you know, I, although my daughter wasn't born premature, we did spend, I would say, almost a year in the NICU and even with that you think oh you've been in the NICU so long you know everything when we discharged home we were still like okay so what's the next step here so to have an organization to kind of step in and really fill the gap because we know even now since COVID our healthcare systems are so overwhelmed and understaffed and you know, their staff burnout. So I could see even more so now where the families in the NICU will fall through the cracks, unfortunately. So I'm grateful to know that there is somewhere for them to go because I know we're looking for places to go. Where can I get resources? And it's always helpful to hear those experiences and receive the message from someone and the organization that's been through it. You know, there's this white coat syndrome, which I know that you know that oftentimes we tend to kind of clam up with staff. So, yeah. So tell, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, some of the supports that the organization can give. Oh, absolutely. So uh, my daughter Harper spent uh, about just under seven months in the NICU. 
um, over a period of time. So we have extensive <laughs> time stay there. Uh, the NICU journey ranges, you know, in time from, you know, one day to sometimes over a year for some of these families. So what we do at the Heart Foundation is we dedicate ourselves to offering a, a mentorship approach. We match parents um, in like-minded gestation uh, situations. So we do our best to find a 23-week gestation, you know, mom or a mom of multiples, because that happens a lot in the NICU as well. And, and same with parents and dads alike. And we really offer them uh, resources and support, just kind of a safe space to gather the information that they need, just about the NICU experience. You know, some of us were looking at, you know, daycare options and you're getting kind of mixed reviews, you know, some of the, um, the existing national programs, such as, you know, March of Dimes that we actively partner with, they do have a in-hospital program. But, you know, we offer kind of that, that dovetail approach. So we're giving you kind of wraparound services, uh, matching uh, patients and families together alike, uh, directing you to resources in the community that can support whether that be, you know, additional help for the family. Because a lot of times we know that job, uh, job impact becomes an issue for mm -hmm. a lot of our families as a result of a NICU stay. Food insecurity may also become an issue. Yeah. Housing insecurity may also become an issue. So we work closely with uh, agencies to ensure that there's a smooth transition and availability and access to our families um, and patients that we serve. That's just a, a snippet of what we do. <laughs> uh, we also we also are looking to uh, to launch some some more upcoming upcoming things. Uh, one in particular I'm very excited about is uh, this was inspired by my own journey. Uh, I never got to have a baby shower. So yeah. I think it's very important to still honor uh, the families and the parents, especially moms in that journey, uh, because the NICU experience is one that changes your life so rapidly. And also the baby needs items. So we're going to be doing a series of virtual baby showers. Uh, for our NICU participants, and we're going to be partnering with hospitals and agencies to have moms and families nominated to receive just items and, most importantly, love and support. Oh, I love that. I love that. And and like you, you know, although I did go full term, our journey was so complicated with learning that my daughter had was going to have severe complications. So there was really no space emotionally for us to plan a baby shower. So I didn't have a baby shower for my daughter as well. And so what would have been great is to have one when she was discharged into the community. So I love that. And I love the piece about them receiving not just the items, but that love and support, because it can be scary going home with a preemie, whether they're going home with bells and whistles or not. It's just, it adds a different flavor to the journey. So I love that there's that support. So there's another piece to you i know that you've been we all know there's a maternal health crisis in our country and particularly women of color are really uh, receiving like egregious care you have taken those experiences and really kind of partnered with the healthcare system and been involved in um, some maternal health advocacy work particularly with yale core which for those that are tuning in 
Yale, the Center for Outcome Research, you know, is a measure developer that really is tackling that maternal health crisis. So I know that you were involved in their tap, their meeting technical expert panel. Could you tell us a little bit about how that experience was and how does that fit in your advocacy puzzle? Absolutely. So yes, that, as you mentioned, I did have the wonderful opportunity to work with the Yale Core initiative on in developing some measures concerning uh, maternal health and maternal health care disparities. That falls right in line with the advocacy uh, work that I do, Desiree. We all know uh, women of color disproportionately and historically have, you know, been impacted through lack of access to information. Also, unfortunately, the existence of implicit bias. So those cultural competencies, uh, information, education, and awareness, those areas are of utmost importance to me and are of personal interest. So I do everything that I can in my power to advocate in those spaces and places to ensure that everyone, regardless of color, creed, you know, designation, gender specificity, or identity, that they're receiving the care and outcomes that, that they need. Absolutely. And I think it's so important, you know, as it relates to measurement work, a lot of people are super intimidated to get involved or don't even know that there's a space for them to get involved with measurement work. You know, the healthcare ecosystem, oftentimes we hear that, you know, things change. We measure what, what can be changed, right? So if we don't partner in that space and we need to bring more diversity, more equity into that space because what the healthcare organizations and systems are measuring matters directly to patient care and to the community. So the more voices we can bring into the work, the better, you know, to drive our healthcare system in a more, I would say, um, positive direction. I like to look at things from a collaborative kind of solutions-based way of thinking. And I know that you feel the same way. I mean, you know, we can learn from those negative experiences and not have lead with that, but we can partner to kind of look in a more positive Absolutely. direction. So, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Desiree. I, I, I couldn't say it better. I remain and ever, ever will be solutionary, as I like to call it, in my approach. You know, we want to look at, at, at past experience and draw from it and glean from it and create measures that are reflective of our communities, uh, reflective of the cultural instances and inferences that exist that may not be uh, made aware, you know, due to lack of experience um, on our counterparts. And, and, and this is, you know, it's called the practice for a reason. We're practicing and getting it right, hopefully, you know, every step of the way. So lending our voices, our unique experiences, um, and diverse perspectives to every aspect of healthcare is imperative for us to have the best outcomes for all. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and it, it's just music to my ears because anyone that knows me that listen to other podcasts know that I lead with that equity lens and then making room for that, I think is also a really great way of thinking. So, you know, I know that you you are an advocacy queen. And so is there anything else, you know, I know this has been kind of short and sweet, but I wanted to just kind of give our listeners a little nugget. Is there anything else that you would like to add or discuss that we haven't touched on 
in our 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not fame. I just want to. I just. Uh, I. I do what I do for the love of the work and, and just for the love of you know for the love of people and Absolutely. and if you know if my voice if my small voice can can just spark an ember change then I believe I'm doing doing my part and that's really what I believe I'm called to do. You know I I welcome and celebrate the opportunity to to lend my voice my knowledge my expertise. Um, and lived experience, most importantly, to the conversation of, of equity um, in the area of maternal health, um, in diversity and inclusion, and in any area where I may be able to, to get in where I fit in and, and it makes a meaningful impact. Uh, I, you know, again, I celebrate and, and honor all of those spaces and places and people who are, who are taking on the charge to have those conversations. And sometimes it's tough, Desiree. I mean, we yeah. know, you know, sometimes it's tough to, to, you know, look at past practices and say, hey, you know, we're, we're leaving out a, an entire group of people mm -hmm. or we didn't know that or, you know, we didn't know that was a thing. And it, it takes a voice yeah. like ours, right, to to be in the room, to speak up and say, hey, did you consider this? Because everyone's experience and journey is different. It isn't until you, you know, pull back the curtain or lift the veil or yeah. view life through a different lens that you can get a full perspective. And I believe and am committed to being, you know, a partner and advocate in that space where people are open and willing to do that. And I welcome the opportunities to continue to do so. And I will absolutely do so until I have my last breath in my body. For sure. <laughs> We are definitely like-minded. And I, I remember, you know, this was years ago. I was in a meeting with our CEO and founder, Dr. Natasha Washington. And she made a statement that stuck with me throughout my journey. And she said, what we're doing, we're at a CMS meeting, is we're bringing, connecting the head to the heart of the work. And so when we, you know, engage patients and families and caregivers, community members into the space, we're elevating those voices and not just taking that data that we're seeing, but really putting the faces and experiences coupled with that data to drive change. So, you know, I definitely appreciate your statement and really thank you for the work that you're doing in the community because it's definitely making an impact. If we have community partners out there, agencies that want to connect with you, how can they get in touch with you? Well, they can always contact you. No, but you can find you can find us online at www.harpfoundation.org. Um, my name is Ajay James. That's A J S H A Y J A M E S, and I welcome the opportunity to connect. Absolutely, and again, you know, thank you for tuning in today. You know, and again, if if you want to get in touch with Miss James, please feel free to visit her website, contact me. We will definitely connect those dots. But thank you so much, Miss James, for taking the time to talk with our listeners today. And as always, guys, be engaged. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.